Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range. The cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Thanks to Hayes and Mardo for the run home. They'll be back again tomorrow between 3 and 5 here on SENWA. Great to have your company. Sports day. It's all thanks to Kia. Progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. And you can join us anytime on the Temper of Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. Now, I got a bit of feedback yesterday saying, why are you doing UFC? And I thought to myself, I'm one of those individuals that's pretty open-minded regarding the sport. We had a couple of messages yesterday sent through on that temperate bedshed text machine saying, we don't like violence in sport. And it got me thinking about violence in sport. And I think when you look at all disciplines, there is violence to a certain degree. You know, in cricket, when you've got a hard cricket ball, being deliberately thrown at an individual 22 yards down the track with the deliberate aim sometimes to strike him, yeah, that's a bit of violence. And then you've got AFL situation where, you know, players get taken out, not deliberately these days, but in the old days it was deliberate. The king hit behind the play, the coat hangers, yeah, that was pretty violent. And no doubt a lot of sports have trying to take the, the violence out of it. But there's a bit of gladiatorial in all of us. And we all like man on man. And it's just bizarre these days. I remember speaking to someone the other day when I was playing junior football, one of the skills that we were taught at training, and we used to hate it every Tuesday and Thursday, when the coach used to get the football, kick it about 20 metres out in front and said, go for it. In other words, two individuals used to run for the ball within the rules of the game, battle it out, bumping, scragging, throwing to the ground, doing everything they could to win that football back and get it to through the goals. It was called man on man. It was gladiatorial. And I gather there's a bit of gladiatorial about the UFC. It's undergone a spectacular surge in popularity surpassing the actual sport of MMA, which was the mixed martial arts, and is now worth somewhere in the vicinity of $4 billion. So we're talking about a sport that is up, heading up the ladder very, very quickly in popularity. And as I said yesterday, people don't crawl over broken glass to get any ticket or any chance to get into that RAC arena on Sunday morning, not Sunday night, not Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning. I think the gates open or the doors open about five, six o'clock in the morning because it gets underway at seven to see the card. 
And as I said, there's a lot of people probably in the older demographic like I am that are a bit uncomfortable about it, don't like to see blood spilt. But there's blood spilt in sports. Uh, just that this one seems to be more in people's faces because it's an enclosed area. Give us your thoughts on UFC and where it could go. And I think it's certainly on the up. There is big money in this sport. You look at Conor McGregor, the Irishman, what he's made out of this sport, a so-called the number one player in recent times. And I'm going to talk more about a young Perth product, Jack Della Maddalena, who's going to be on the card on Sunday, wins his fight against veteran Randy Brown on Sunday, and all of a sudden... Uh, the world is his oyster when it comes to this sport. And this young kid, and I know the family, the parents have got two sons. They all started playing rugby. They were big on rugby. But all of a sudden, he was in- introduced to this. And uh, he's likely, if he wins, Jack, who is on a 11-fight winning streak, could be uh, certainly bringing in the riches. I asked his father the other day, what do you think about seeing your son in an enclosed ring? the cage as they term it, with another guy trying to belt the living daylights out of him. And he said, Peter, it's what he wants to do. I feel comfortable with him. Uh, He knows he's a smart boy. He can protect himself. And uh, we wish him the best. So it's, it's interesting. But give us your thoughts on UFC, whether you're growing to it, whether you're dead against it, as we had a few messages yesterday, or whether you're one of those that is going on Sunday or will be watching it because you didn't get a ticket. I bumped into a mate of mine who's a family man <laughs> and it blew me away. He says, I can't wait for Sunday. I said, where are you going Sunday? Now, this is a 40-plus gentleman in his late 40s, father of two. He says, I'm going with my son to go and see UFC. I can't wait. So it's starting to infiltrate through uh, different demographics. Coming up on the show today, we're going to speak to John Buchanan, He was the Australian coach when the Australian cricket team toured India in 2004-05, played a four-test series, and they won by two test matches to one. One match was drawn. It was the first series win on Indian soil since 1969-70. And on that tour, the future Australian test captain, Michael Clarke, made his test debut. He scored 151 in the first innings, only because Ricky Ponting was injured. And uh, we're going to speak to John Buchanan about that. And also later in that series, Michael Clark actually bowled. Guess what his figures were in one innings? Six wickets for nine. So we're going to talk to John Buchanan about that series uh, in a little while as Australia prepared to embark on uh, the series starting tomorrow. And we'll speak to Ryan Williams from the Perth Glory. They take on the top of the table, Melbourne City. Rank underdogs, I'll go into the match on uh, Saturday night, but we'll speak to Ryan about their chances. They are unbeaten at Macedonia Park, their home for the time being. It's become a bit of a fortress. Can they knock off the top dogs? That's all coming up on the program, plus so much more. And also later, I thought we'd feature this. We've got Super Bowl, and of course, SEN will broadcast Super Bowl 23 on the network on Monday morning our time. Gets underway around about 7.30. Jerry Waitley's over there. He spoke to Aaron Sipos, the former St Kilda footballer, who hopes to be selected 
for the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl on Monday morning. We'll feature our interview a bit later on as well. Jared's over there. He'll call the action for SEN. And he caught up with Aaron as well. So plenty coming up between now and six. Stay with us. Love to have your company. 0487-736-736 is the temper at Bedshed text machine. John Buchanan, the former Australian cricket coach, joins us next here on Sports Day. Yeah, Sports Day WA, great to have your company with Peter Vlahos here. And it's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo. Be sure it's Aussie. And speaking of Aussie, let's talk about an Aussie sport and Aussie sporting achievement. That really was uh, something else. And it was a fair while ago, let me tell you, because the Australian national cricket team, they toured India in October, November of 2004. And they won that series by two tests to one. One match was drawn. Their first series win on Indian soil since 1969-70. The Beatles were still going around and uh, having hit after hit. It was a long time ago. John Buchanan was the coach of that wonderful cricket team that won that incredible series. And he's been kind enough to join us on the program now. John, thanks for your time. How are you, Peter? Very good, thanks. Uh, lovely to hear your voice again. It hasn't changed over years, let me tell you. Still got that deep, bassy voice. John, <laughs> uh, every time you probably see a test series in India, whether it's Australia, whether it's England or whatever, because we've got the luxury of watching them these days because of pay TV, uh, probably conjures up quite a few memories for you. Yes, look, India is a, um, a special country not only a special cricketing nation, but just a special country. And it's an incredible place to tour, that's for sure. Um, 2001 was my first opportunity to go there with Stephen Moore's team, his, his last Frontier tour. And, um, you know, we, we won a first test and then lost an incredible second test match and then nearly sneaked away with a third test match. But, you know, that was really all very good preparation for, for me and certainly a number of other players, I think, in lead up to 2004. What was amazing about that series that you, uh, where we won by two matches to one is that the first test was a comprehensive victory. The second test was drawn because there was no play possible on the final day uh, due to rain. And the third test was also a very big win. It wasn't as if it was close. Australia dominated. Yes, well... Uh... Then there was probably the most amazing game of the series, albeit that we lost, where, um, you know, we made, or India made, uh, I think, 104 in their first innings. We made 203. Um, then India scrambled 205 in their second innings, meaning we only needed uh, just over 100 to win the game. We were bowled out for 93. And, uh, you know, that was a two-day game. Michael Clark taking six for nine. Um, you know, Damien Martin was really one of the stars of, from both both sides, making 55 in the first innings. Um, but going back to the, the, the other games, I mean, obviously, the you know, I think the whole series was um, just an amazing sort of series on the basis of, as I said, what, what we'd seen in 2001 and therefore the sort of planning we took into 2004 to uh, hopefully have the right strategy to win there, which, as it turned out, it, it was or we did. Um, and that was, you know, not in small part to 
one of your favourite sons over there, Adam Gilchrist, who mm. was captain of the side. Ricky Ponting was out injured. And in that first test match, um, you know, Michael Clark made his debut 150, but at the same stage as a bloke down the other end, Adam Gilchrist, who was making 100 as well. Uh, Simon Cadditch also made a, you know, an 80 in that game. So what... Uh, what Gilly did for us as well is that he won the, the tosses in the first three test matches, which means we got the bat first, and that was always a big advantage. Um, and, uh, and yes, look, um, it, it was one of those sort of series where uh, the strategy worked for us. Um, Batting-wise, it was about you know keep trying to keep the, the spinners out of the game. Um, and, uh, you know, Harbinger and Cumbley, even though... We sort of kept them out of the game. They they both took, you know, a huge amount of wickets. I think Harbison took 26 for the series and Combo 27. But they weren't able to run through us uh, at different times. So our batters really did a good job. But it was the, the bowling unit, uh, McGrath, Gillespie, Kasovic and Warren that, you know, just delivered on the, the plan that we'd, we'd set up to, to restrict Indian batsmen scoring and, and take their wickets. You mentioned about that test where Michael Clark took six for nine off, uh, I think it was just over six overs, which was incredible. India won by 13 runs. Harbhajan Singh uh, took about 10 wickets for the match. So it was a real turner. But the one that we're going to see start tomorrow is in Nagpur. And it was interesting when you looked at the Australian test team, you know, led by Jason Gillespie, it was the paceman for the most part that caused the damage. Yet we've read reports, uh, John, of doctoring of wickets where they're going to make it a real turn-up, which might be disadvantage to the Australian batsman. Can you take us through, firstly, uh, whether the wickets in India are tailor-made to their conditions? And if so, it doesn't appear it was that way in 2004-05 because of the success of the Australian pace attack. Yeah, look, there's a little bit of all that. It's it's pretty important to note that when we toured in 2004, it was October, as you mentioned at the outset, October, November. So uh, at that time of the year, you know, India has virtually just come out of monsoons and so all the grounds are, are nice and lush and green and, and the wickets haven't been uh, subjected to endless, endless games of cricket plus heat. But now in March um, or February, March, it's a different story. The, the wickets have been well used, well worn, um, and the, the heat is is there and, and increasing all the time. So you, you might say they're, they're, they're doctored, but nonetheless, it, it is a product of the environment. How the wicket will play at different times uh, in different countries around around the world. I mean, teams will come to Australia and say the wickets are doctored here because they bounce a lot more where where countries that are used to no bounce. Um, are saying, well, it's a you know advantage to Australia, but um, you know the the good teams or the very good teams or the great teams are the ones that still manage to find a way to adapt and adjust their game to the conditions, albeit that they favour you know their home grounds or, or certain places around the world that you know either their, their bowling attack, their batting lineup is is most suited, but you know. Uh, now the uh, final test in that 2004 series, it was a, a turning wicket where India played one seamer and the rest were spinners. So there's every likelihood by the sound of it, from judging from some of the reports, that India may go into this first test match with a, a similar sort of lineup. Um, but 
one of the advantages I think they they really have with their spinning. Um, well, they've got four mainline spinners. Uh, is that Jadeja, Axel Patel, and and uh, Ravi Ashwin? They they all held the bat very well. They're all very experienced batsmen in, in Test cricket, and of course they can all open the bowling. They're used to to bowling with a new ball. So uh, how they then choose to to balance that um, uh, spin trio could be with another spinner, or they could go with two seamers. So. Um, you know, they're, they're in a, a nice position. They've got a very strong top order as well. But I think, uh, you know, Australia's had, it, you know, it's done a lot of planning. Um, you know, again, we read the reports that, uh, you know, McDonald and um, and uh, um, who am I searching for? <laughs> um well, the coaching uh, staff. It's that's okay, a, the coaching staff. A, no, that's a bloke. I'm searching for the captain. There's so yeah. many captains in the side. Oh, Pat Cummins. Yeah, Cummins. yeah, yeah. Pat Cummins. Um, you know, they've done a lot of planning and they've done a lot of thinking. And again, a lot of them have been playing in IPL conditions, in Indian conditions, albeit, again, you know, it's around this time of the year, you know, March, April. Um, so I, I think they have a very clear plan how they want to go about playing the game. Now, Hazelwood's injury may or may not have thrown that into a bit of a spin because, literally, in inverted commas, um, because he may have been one of the key bowlers that they were choosing to use uh, in terms of their strategy, in terms of their, their attack. Him out, um, you know, possibly now that, that throws them to plan B where they may look to, you know, take in another spinner themselves and go with three spinners. But, yeah. um, you know, they're pretty well placed overall, I think, for, for a very, very good account of themselves in the series. So, John, can they do what your team did, uh, what are we talking about, 18 years ago? 18 years ago. Well, um, you know, when we set off for India at that time, I think there was the potential to do that. And um, we're sitting in a similar situation here. They have the potential to do that. Whether or not, um, you know, their, their planning and their strategies are right, and then if they are, whether you can execute that, you know, that's that's the key question. And I think, again, all credit to Adam Gilchrist for those first three test matches before Ricky Ponning came back into the side. Um, he really stuck with the strategy. He didn't really waver from that at all. I mean, obviously, the batsmen still had to do their job, but in terms of restricting Indian batsmen, taking their wickets, putting pressure on them, uh, as individual players, you know, I think again he he deserves a lot of the um, accolades for the the result that we all achieved in that uh, particular series. Good on you, John. I'll pass on your uh, comments to Adam Gilchrist. Uh, we see him around here at SENWA. He's a very busy man. Thanks for joining us, John. Mm-hmm. Lovely to chat to you again, and enjoy the series coming up. Yeah, thanks very much, Peter, and, and likewise yourselves. Good on you. John Buchanan, the former Australian cricket coach. All thanks to uh, Buy Australian right now. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. All right, we're going to take a break here on Sports Day WA. Coming back as we look at Glory's big game on Saturday night. Yes, great to have your company. It's coming up 27 past five Wednesday and it is Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. And of course, football's here. The Isuzu Ute A-League experience it live and search A-League tickets. Let's have a look at the A-League. This is a big game Saturday. Big game. Kickoff 7.30. Perth Glory, who have been good at their 
home, their temporary home, Macedonia Park. They should have won last week, really. Two all against Newcastle Jets. They should have been uh, safely tucked away by half time, but that's another story and that's another reason why the game is called the beautiful game. But they take on the ladder leader, Melbourne City, on Saturday night. Ryan Williams, who's been good for the glory this season, joins us on the program. Hi, Ryan. Hi, mate. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. Should have had that game dead and buried by halftime last week, but that's the game you play, isn't it? Yeah, like you said, uh, we should have. I mean, we had quite a few good chances. The penalty, Kevin made a couple of good saves. We should have been 2-0 up before halftime. Saying that, uh, you took a point. It was 2-all draw. They scored a late equaliser at Newcastle. But this week's the real test, isn't it? You take on Melbourne City, top of the uh, table. They come to where you haven't lost a game so far this season at home at Macedonia Park. Tell you what, this is a big one on Saturday. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean... Um, obviously they're, they'll be favourites, but with our, our form at home uh, at Maso Park, we're, we're pretty excited about it and looking to, looking to do something. There must be a real belief in the squad now because you're slowly climbing up uh, the table. You're just outside the top six and uh, a win against the latter leader would be just a, a perfect antidote heading in towards the, uh, the second half of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we were looking at it before the game. If we had won, we would have gone fourth. So, I mean, it would have put even less pressure on us going into this game. I mean, there's not a lot of pressure on us anyway. Um, but, no, we're, we're, we're expecting to win or at, at least not be beaten, you know, because we've done so well at home. Um, we've got a style of play at home that kind of is front foot and puts, puts team on the, teams on the back foot. So that's what we'll, we'll be looking to, uh, to do. Looking at your recent form, it's a carbon copy of Melbourne City's form. Uh, you've both won uh, two and drawn three of your last five games. Saying that, what are Melbourne City's strengths? Because no doubt you would have uh, analysed them and continue to analyse them during the course of the week. Yeah, they're really good with the ball. You know, they they manipulate the ball and and, and the pitch really well and get you in positions that that you don't really want to be in. You know, they try and move it from side to side really quickly. Um, but they've got goals all over the pitch, you know, set pieces as well. They've got midfielders as well, scoring loads of goals, strikers scoring goals. They're wingers. You've obviously got Lecky, who for me is the, the best player in the comp. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough test. But like I keep saying, it's one that everyone at the club's excited for. Saying that, you know, David Williams, I spoke to him on the program last week. Uh, and many were a bit critical of maybe signing the veteran. But he's been good up front, hasn't he? Particularly in the recent weeks. Yeah, definitely. David's... Davo's a really, really good player. He's very experienced. He knows where the goal is, you know. Um, if you give him chances like you've seen, um, he'll just gobble them up, you know, because we've got good delivery from both sides. So if we get a little bit more of that coming in the box, then Davo comes to life, you know. Yeah, and Keegan Jelicic has uh, signed a, an extended contract on the back end, of course, of a couple of the other young players who have signed extended contracts, you know, like Salim Kalefi is on for another couple of years, and Keegan also another couple of years, which is good, which is showing that they're enjoying their time and hope that the glory is the, the forerunner for them and maybe uh, a professional career going forward. Well, the thing is, it's good because it's good for the club that we're signing these players and we're getting them at a good age where... We can build them up and, you know, give them that game time and hopefully what they can give us back is, is um, yeah, you know, is their, is their qualities, obviously, like Salim and, and, and Keegan, you know. It's, it's really good and it's warranted, you know. They've, they've deserved them contract extensions, 100%. You, 
you've been around in a sense, you're still only 29. You've come back home after being, you know, in the UK and playing with a number of clubs like, you know, Fulham and Portsmouth uh, and a couple of others. You were at Oxford United before you came back to Perth glory. Yeah. What about your thoughts as a, a professional for many years and coming from a real footballing family? Are you excited by some of the young talent at the glory? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I mean, I remember only just yesterday when I was that age. So um, what I'm trying to do is just trying to help them along their way, you know, just trying to give them confidence and, and just trying to tell them really just to, when they go out on the pitch, be themselves and try and express themselves a little bit. What about Adam Taggart, who scored a brace in his first game? He's still got a few niggles. Will he be okay for Saturday? Has he been training? Yeah, good. Um, he's been fine in the back of the net very often in training. So, um, yeah, hopefully he can get the niggles uh, aside and, and get a good run, and, and hopefully he can help us push into hopefully the top six. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you've played almost every game this season, haven't you? So you'd be pretty happy with your fitness and form. Yeah, uh, fitness is good. Form at start is a bit shaky, just trying to be a little bit more consistent at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only game I missed was the West Sydney one. I had a little groin injury then, but uh, it's all good now. Um, but yeah, no, I'm happy. Um, I'm fit. I'm, I'm I'm ready to go. I feel physically it's probably one of the, the best seasons, to be fair, like in terms of um, uh, my kind of physique and stuff like that. I feel I feel really good. I feel sharp. So it's good. We know that coach wears his heart on his sleeve, Ruben Zadkovic. Uh, he's always wanted to coach at the highest level in the A-League and he seems to be producing results. What do you like about him? I like, to be fair, his passion. The first thing that I had a phone call with him before I, before I signed here and it kind of, that was the, the, the main driving point for me, you know, because obviously I'm passionate about this club and, and he is too. And that's something that we're, where we both kind of... Um, come together in, 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 in that aspect, you know, um, his passion, his drive, he's, he's, he's always setting the standards high and never letting anybody slip, you know, which is, which is good. And it's, it's what you need, especially from what we said before about having young players. Um, it's really good for them. You've got two home games in a row. You've got Melbourne City and, of course, you play another home game the following week. Uh, To pick up six points, all of a sudden the Perth glory are in the top six. Deep down inside, do you believe you have the ability, firstly, to make the finals and also cause more than nuisance value in the finals if you get there? I think if you were to ask me that question at the start of the season, I probably would have said no. But now we've all, we're still in kind of a bit of a, a, like a rebuild kind of phase and it's starting to come to fruition now, you know. I mean, we should have won against Wellington. We should have won against... um, Newcastle, yeah, as well, you know. So we're, the, the the performances are there. We just need to get that little final little bit, you know, these little mistakes and the chances at the other end. If we tuck them away, then yeah, I think I think why not? You know, I reckon we can go up there and maybe catch some teams by surprise. Good stuff. I saw your twin brother Aaron. He uh, he was over here. I think he was at the home game about two or three weeks ago. How's he going? He was over from mm-hmm. Melbourne for a bit of a break, was he? Yeah, good. He's actually coming in with us, and he's doing he's doing um, some of his rehab with us because he, he he had a big uh, knee operation about four or five months ago. Um, so it's good. Yeah, we've been driving in every day, so it's nice to um, nice to have him back around. And he knows quite a few of the boys. He knows Ruben and 
and Andy and all that lot anyway. So, yeah, he's been enjoying it, and it's been good uh, good to have him around the place. Yeah, and I've enjoyed the chat, Ryan. Thanks for your time here this afternoon. Good luck for the game on Saturday night. I'm looking forward to it. Let's hope uh, the glory pick up the three points. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Good on you. Ryan Williams joining us here on the, the program on Sports Day WA, and that's all thanks to the Isuzu Ute A-League experience, uh, the matches live search a league tickets let's just update for our friends at tire power some sports news headlines buy three get one free on selected falcon tires during tire powers best buys on big brand sale well they're all talking about lebron aren't they Uh, certainly jimmy is lebron james has become the nba's all-time scoring leader hitting a fadeaway to smash a nearly 40 year old record let's hear a bit of lebron boys let's roll it Coming to the end of the third quarter, LeBron James, a shot in history. Yeah, nice. And, of course, LeBron uh, had been hot on the heels of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's 38,387-point record, a mark many believed was unreachable. Uh, Abdul-Jabbar had held the record since April 5, 1984. Remarkable 38 years, 10 months, and two days. It was great that the Lakers legend was there to hand it over to another legend as LeBron James reached the 36 points he required just before the end of the third quarter. Well, a lot has been said about Nat Fife and handing over the captaincy, and we wait and see who takes over the captain's armband at the Fremantle Football Club. On nine last night, former captain Matthew Pavlich said this about Nat Fife's captaincy and who could possibly succeed him. Sounds like uh, both he and the club in general made this decision. Uh, Coach Justin Longmuir, footy manager Peter Bell, and also CEO Simon Garlic all being a part of the process, and I think it is the right time for uh, the club to make that transition. Only 36 games Nathan has played in the last three years and he's talked openly about the fact that he sees the role as quite a challenge and at times a burden. Uh, So he can now hand that over to a younger player he can give that responsibility to him and importantly focus on his body which has been a a big big challenge for him and also his role up forward which doesn't come naturally to him. I think they've got a couple of young players in Andy Brayshaw at 23 and Caleb Sarong at 21 who could potentially take up the role. I think they're still just a little bit too young. Uh, they've got a young player group. They may end up voting that way, that young player group. But in my opinion, Alex Pierce at 27 is the right uh, person to take the Dockers forward. His body is right after lots of years of uh, injury and struggle, but he uh, is loved by the playing group and he has a lot of support broadly in that group. I think it's the right time for him, Tomo, to take reins. Uh, we are understanding the player vote will take place in the next couple of days. Yeah, I agree with Pav. I've been saying it around the office because people have been asking. I think uh, Alex Pierce uh, will get the gig for maybe the short term, a couple of seasons, until those younger players that Pav talks about uh, mature a bit more and feel comfortable with the captaincy and, of course, their important role in the midfield. Speaking of captaincy, uh, Jack Zebel decided to step away from the North Melbourne captaincy today. He conducted a press conference. Well, I thought it was probably time to do this. Um, this year was perfect with a new coach coming on board. Um, it just makes sense. Um, we've been through a pretty tough period over the last few years, and um, I was more than happy to, to sort of handle that load a little bit myself um, with the support of our leadership group. And, and Jai's been leaving with great support to me going through those years that the last few years we've had and um, a number of different coaches. So 
Um, I think there's a little bit uh, of a greater level of stability at our footy club at the moment. So for Giles and Luke to come on board with Clarko as our coach, um, for me it was a, an easy decision. Um, I was ready, the boys are ready, um, and it was just about signing off and ticking off and making it official, which we've done. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to, to seeing what those boys can do for our footy club leading into this year, but also in the next, you know, five, ten years as well, and where they can take this group because it's quite an exciting time to be at a footy club. Yeah, it is an exciting time to be at North Melbourne. We'll see what uh, happens. Jack Zeebel deciding to just step away from the captaincy. Of course, tomorrow it is at the first test. Australia is about to embark on the toughest test in five-day cricket. But there is a blueprint to follow for success, even if they have to go back almost 20 years to find it. And we sort of tried to find it when we spoke to John Buchanan at the top of the program. Of course, you can hear the first test coverage here on SEN as well. Uh, interesting, as we mentioned with John Buchanan, of the 68 wickets Australia took in that series, 43 came from seamers. I'm not sure that's going to be the situation at Nagpur and, of course, during this four-test series, but you can catch it on SEN. After the break, we're going to fo- focus on the Super Bowl. Uh, Aaron Sipos, former St Kilda player, has a chance to play in the big Super Bowl on Monday. He joins us next. Welcome back to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos on this Wednesday. And I thought I'd leave you with uh, a bit of a build-up, a continue the build-up to the Super Bowl on Monday morning, our time at 7.30am. And of course, we're pretty well connected here at SEN with the Super Bowl. Live coverage from Jared Waitley coming your way on Monday morning. But one of two Australians in line to take their place with the Philadelphia Eagles in this year's Super Bowl is former St Kilda player Aaron Sipos. But he remains in doubt for the big day because the Eagles will walk out onto the NFL's biggest stage with uh, Sipos and offensive tackle Jordan Maylater hoping to become the second and third Aussies to win a coveted Super Bowl. But Sipos, who was injured against the New York Giants in December, is no certainty to suit up and is yet to be activated off the reserved list. He did damage his ankle off his plant leg when attempting to advance a block punt against the Giants late last year in what appeared at the time to be a season-ending injury. But the 30-year-old from Melbourne has made a pretty speedy recovery and he's put himself in the frame. And last week, the Eagles opened the 21-day practice window for Sipos to be activated. So just this morning, Jared Waitley, he's over there in the US to call the Super Bowl, caught up with Aaron Sipos. And here he is. Aaron Sipos, welcome back to SEN. Thank you for having me, mate. Really appreciate it. This is a big reality, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's different. It's different, but um, I mean, this is what it's all about in the end, isn't it? This is uh, such an exciting time, and I'm uh, I'm so thankful to be here and, and be part of it. And um, I'm really just looking forward to what the rest of the week has in store. What does it have in store? We heard you last week on the station. You told us you were ready to go. Do you know your fate yet? I don't know just yet. Um, all I know is that uh, I am getting better every single day and uh, training with the guys and doing everything I need to to prepare myself for the game. And, um, you know, when the time comes, we'll be, we'll be ready to go. Are you sweating it out a bit? <laughs> uh, not really. I feel very comfortable with where I am right now and what I'm doing. Um, you know, it, that, and that's all that really matters in the end is that I know what I need to do to get myself out there and play. Um, that's exactly what I've been doing for the last week or so. And... Um, I'll be well and truly prepared and, and ready to go for Sunday. 
Can you visually prove yourself at, uh, at sessions? How do you go about it at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I visually already proved myself. The, you know, that's where the 21-day window kind of comes in. So if I wasn't, if I wasn't uh, in a good enough situation, they wouldn't probably open that window. So, um, you know, I've shown, I've shown um, exactly what I needed to do to get back out on the park. And now it's just getting the repetition um, back in a team setting to therefore be able to go out and execute on Sunday. So you've got a lot to think about. Have you let your mind wander to just how big a stage it is? And just standing in this arena right now does give a little bit of a hint of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a bit of a whirlwind. But um, I think when it comes to it, you just when it comes to Sunday, you just lock in on what you need to do and the task at hand. And um, the good thing is, is that just about embracing everything that kind of comes to. So I'm super excited about the whole opportunity and what the what the week is in, has in store for us. And um, you know, the reality is things don't really change for us from a practice point of view and things like that and how we prepare and um, whatever comes my way, I'll be ready for. And um, yeah, again, just a, just such an unbelievable opportunity to, to be part of. Aaron, you've been really generous in how you've shared your story. I guess in that you've probably had a bit of time to reflect on. The, uh, on the decisions and the and the moments that brought you here. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's um, it's been quite a journey. Um, you know, it's kind of spanned over probably 12 years from being in the AFL as a, as a young 17-year-old, and then obviously getting delisted at 22, and not really sure uh, how it was all going to pan out. Um, trying to work your way back into the AFL system and then realising maybe that's not the way to go and then obviously an opportunity come, comes up to make a life over here potentially and uh, you know did I expect this to happen absolutely not um, was my dream to be able to make it to the NFL absolutely um, and then everything else was was going to be a bonus so um, you know as, as I keep saying and it's just an unbelievable experience and such a great opportunity to be part of that and um you know, something that I uh, I'll definitely treasure for the rest of my life. So Ben Graham's going to be in our booth on Sunday when we yep. call the game. Uh, have you swapped notes with him at all? Uh, he he's given me a couple. Sorry, he's given me a couple of tips uh, about how the whole experience worked, which has been great to be honest. Because obviously, you know, a guy that's actually done it himself and been here before, um, it definitely makes you realise a little bit what to expect in that, which is awesome. So uh, I look forward to actually catching up with him. He said he'd be happy to have a chat in that, which would be great. And I look forward to uh, catching up with him in person soon too. There's a lovely Australian flavour to this, isn't there? As yeah, we look over at Jordan That man here. over there is an incredible, is an incredible person. He's, uh, he's become one of my good friends. And if we can do this together, that'd be quite a story. Who have you got coming over for the game? Uh, I've got my I've, I've got uh, my wife's family coming over, so her mum and dad and uh, her sister, along with uh, along with her boyfriend, and my younger brother's going to be coming over for the trip as well. So we've got a good little crew here, which is great. And of course, my wife and my and my little girl obviously live over here with me, and they'll be here for it too. So there's a lot of people that I get to celebrate it with, which is uh, pretty exciting and. Uh, I'm pretty pumped by it. Did you used to watch the Super Bowl as a kid in Australia? I did. I do have very uh, vivid memories of it. I, the first one that I really remember was obviously when uh, Tom Brady kind of came out of nowhere and, and beat those Atlanta Falcons. So that was probably the first one I genuinely like remember. But before then, I you know watched glimpses of it and things like that. So um, you know, obviously, I, I was a very you know very fond of the sport and obviously love the sport too. And that's why I'm over here doing this too. But yeah, it, it's going to be awesome. And the Philly fans are really something. It sort of feels like that that's not a bad connection to the way Australians no, follow their sport. I'd rather be on Philly side than uh, not be on Philly side, that's for sure. Their, their fans are incredible. They're, uh, you know, they're very, very passionate. Um, 
you know, all, they, they obviously want us to win and, and things like that, but they'll have you back the whole way. And uh, I think that's what I love about this team and I love about these fans is because um, they ride the waves with us and uh, they really, really do, which is awesome. And have you had many notes from former AFL teammates who I imagine for all that they might have achieved, there'd be a hint of jealousy here. Uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to say that word. I, that'll get me in a bit of trouble, I think. But... Uh, no, look, obviously I've had a couple of guys reach out and wish me all the best, which has been fantastic. And, um, you know, obviously to be able to achieve the ultimate goal would be pretty incredible. And, um, yeah, guys have been great back home. The younger guys that I kind of I kind of played with and then the older guys that were there too, It's uh, it's been great. Been great. So what's your 48 hours ahead? Just 48 a... hours ahead. My next 48 hours, tomorrow's, uh, tomorrow's a very chilled out day for us actually, which is good. Um, just kind of... You know, acclimatise everything here and uh, get our bodies right, obviously, leading into the week ahead. So Wednesday we'll start our practice and, and then get into it, all our game plan stuff that we've uh, fine-tuned some things and then Sunday we'll be here before you know it. I'll tell you before game day, Aaron, won't I'd they? like to think so. so that'd, be, that'd be good. But, um, look, as I said, I, I'm preparing, a, you know, as if I am going to play. Uh, I'd be doing myself injustice if I, if I didn't do that. And... Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm I'm definitely ready to go, which is which is going to be great. Aaron, it's great to catch up. The very best of luck from all of us. Thank you very much, mate. I appreciate it. Thank you. Jared Whateley there with Aaron Sipos, and we wish him the best of luck for the big one on Monday. And let's hope he gets his opportunity. Speaking of big ones, there's a big one at RAC Arena on Sunday morning our time. And just remember the name Jack Della Maddalena. The rising welterweight prospect is on track to become Australia's next UFC superstar after going on a tear since being plucked from Dana White's Contender Series in 2021 and given a UFC contract. Now, we're going to focus on this tomorrow night on Sports Day WA. As we've heard, uh, this is a magnificent event for WA and Australia. People will be watching it in their thousands. And, of course, it will be beamed live to the United States and around the world. Now, Madalena... The Perth youngster is on a 11-fight winning streak, and he's won all three of the UFC bouts last year via first-round knockouts to be named the UFC's Rookie of the Year. And the 26-year-old is on a mission to climb up the rankings and will get the once-in-a-career chance, a big moment for him, to fight in his hometown here of Perth when he takes on veteran Randy Brown at UFC 284 this Sunday at RAC Arena. And we'll bring you a full wrap because all the... People taking part in UFC 284 will be open to the media tomorrow afternoon. So we'll give you a nice sprinkling of uh, the program and what they have to say. And as well as that, we'll give you a full preview on Sports Day WA. Before I go, for New Farm Australian through and through, let's look at Perth's weather for tomorrow. We're looking at another sunny day. Isn't the weather really nice at the moment? 33 degrees. Forecast top dropping to a low tonight of 19 and we'll have east-southeasterly winds initially at 15 to 25 knots. Then they'll turn south-southwest at 20 to 30 in the afternoon. For our friends down there in Bunbury listening on SEN Spirit 621, the forecast range for yourselves is 17 to 31. Of course, New Farm's products are formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm, Australian through and through. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll be back again tomorrow from 5. Thanks to Jimmy and Lee. This has been Sports Day WA. All thanks to Kia here on the SENWA Network.